Live Creative Now, episode 115. Welcome to Live Creative Now with Melissa Dinwiddie, a weekly podcast to inspire you to create your art and share your work, because that's how you will change the world. Hello, I am Melissa Dinwiddie, passion pluralite artist, happiness catalyst, creativity instigator, and author of The Creative Sandbox Way, which you can find at an Amazon near you, here to address all your questions about living a full-color creative life, whether you think of yourself as not artistic, not creative, which is a lie, or you think of yourself as an artist of any kind, painter, writer, musician, dancer, whatever, or anything in between, not creative, or artist, or anything in between, no matter how you define yourself. Feeding your creative hungers makes you feel more alive. It's how you change your life, and it's how you change the world, because that's how it works. You change your life, and you change the world. (laughs) So, This episode is actually a replay of episode number four, because here's the deal. I am actually off in the woods right now. If you're listening to this on the day that it is published, Wednesday, June 28th, I am at Jazz Camp West, which is my annual pilgrimage, (laughs) my one island of time during the year when I am completely offline. There's no internet, no cell connection. There are literally payphones, three payphones on the site for over 300 people. Uh, There's no nothing but real time connections with real human beings. It's kind of amazing. It's kind of magical. I sleep in a tent under the redwoods and I do things that I never get to do the rest of the year. So I'm actually recording this uh, a couple weeks before camp so that you will get to hear the intro and the outro, but the main body of this episode is a replay because here's the transparency piece. (laughs) There was a lot to do before my trip because before jazz camp, I was heading off to a conference, which I'm about to head off to (laughs) on the East Coast. And I thought, you know, rather than busting my butt to try and create new content, there's a lot of content that I've created in the past couple of years for the podcast. And it gets buried. Why don't I pull something out that should be revisited And my stovetop model of life design is one that really could use a revisit periodically. And it's been almost two years since this one has been, you know, at the top of the pile. So that's what I wanted to share with you today. If you struggle with how to juggle all of your many passions and interests, this episode is for you. But before we get to the the chunk, the meat, the body of <laughs> this week's episode, I want to remind you that I want you, if 
Live Creative Now podcast has made a difference in your life, I want to feature you. I want to feature your story. I am going to be starting very soon doing listener spotlights, and I've already started recording them. If you have a story of how listening to the podcast has changed your life for the better in some way, big or small, it could be a teeny tiny little way that it's made a difference in your life. Maybe listening to the podcast has helped you you know, make your art. Maybe you listen while you are creating. Maybe it's gotten you to actually get creating where you hadn't for years or months or weeks. I don't know. But you know, and I want you to tell me. And here is how it works. Just log into iTunes and leave a rating and review. That's the first piece. And then share your review with me via email so that I can get in touch with you. (laughs) That's really all there is to it. That is the oh so formal application process. And if you don't know how to leave a rating and review in iTunes, you will find step by step instructions. It is super easy. I have made it so easy for you. You can find all of the step by step instructions that I've broken down on my website at livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. That's livecreativenow.com slash iTunes dash review. Technically, it's a hyphen. (laughs) iTunes hyphen review. I'm a stickler for (laughs) for punctuation like that. But livecreativenow.com slash iTunes hyphen review. I break it down. So you just log into iTunes or the Apple podcast app, if you're on a mobile device. And uh, yeah, just leave a rating and review of the podcast. And don't worry if it doesn't show up right away, because it will take about 24 hours or so for the people at iTunes or the computer systems, or I don't know who's behind it, but it's not me. Um, for your, for them to, you know, go through their algorithms or their, I don't know what they do. It takes a while for the review to show up. So don't freak out when you don't see it appear. Don't worry about it. Copy and paste what you wrote in your review or take a screenshot, whatever works for you and send it to me along with why you want to be featured in a listener spotlight. How has the podcast made a difference in your life? I want to know. Because that's why I want to feature you. (laughs) And you can email me at livecreativenow.com slash contact. Livecreativenow.com slash contact. Or just literally just go to livecreativenow.com and you will find a button to the contact page. It's really simple. That is it. If I pick you for a listener spotlight, we'll have a chat. It'll be super fun super relaxed. You get to talk all about yourself, which who doesn't love to do that? And the recording of our conversation will be part of a future episode on the podcast. Super, super cool and super, super fun. And I can't wait to talk to you. So go leave a rating and review, send it to me via email, and maybe we'll have a chat really soon. Anyway, that is it. Without further ado, here is my 
uh, <laughs> replay episode on how to juggle multiple passions and interests. It's my stovetop model of life design for multi-passionates. Enjoy. If you've ever struggled with having too many passions, too many interests, or if you've ever been labeled as ADHD or a dilettante or a flake because you've done so many different things in your life and you like it, this one is for you. So when I was a kid, I don't know how old I was, I discovered this amazing person named Leonardo da Vinci from hundreds of years ago. And I was fascinated by this concept of somebody who did all kinds of different things really well. I wanted desperately to be a Renaissance man. That's what they called it back then. Of course, I wasn't a boy, so I wasn't going to grow up to be a man, but that's what I wanted. I wanted to be a Renaissance person. And I don't remember taking any steps to become a Renaissance person. I only remember feeling this this longing and this feeling that it was completely impossible. <laughs> but I wanted it so badly. Now well, my life went on and I went to school and I kind of followed my nose and the whole time I I felt somehow that that I was inadequate because I wasn't a Leonardo da Vinci. I wasn't a Renaissance person. It was only after I was an adult that I finally realized that, oh, I actually am a Renaissance person, or as I call myself now, a passion pluralite. And back when I felt this longing, this desperation to be a Renaissance person, I simply didn't have the experience to know what my passions were and that, yeah, I was hardwired to have a lot of different passions. When I look back on my life, I can see the first kind of inklings of my passion pluralite disposition when I went to Juilliard in the dance division. I was a dancer at the Juilliard School in New York for a year. And a few years before that, when I kind of discovered dance, I fell madly in love with it. And for a while, I was really focused, like really focused on dance, almost exclusively. Partly because it just seemed what I had to do. And partly because now I know that that's kind of how I operate. I dive in really deeply when I discover something that I love. And I almost have blinders on for that thing. But my innate nature, although I do that, I dive into one thing really intensively, I am also hardwired to be a passion pluralite. But I live in a culture, as you do as well, everybody does, that really likes specialists. We just laud specialists. Generalists, the culture sees as less important, less valuable. And also when I was a dancer, part of the reason why I dove into dance so intensively and almost exclusively from everything else is because classical dance is a really demanding taskmaster. You really have to put in hours of commitment on a daily basis. So there just wasn't time for much of anything else. 
But I remember one day at Juilliard, one of the modern dance teachers, it, for some reason, we were not dancing. We were in a classroom, like sitting in desks, which was really weird. I don't remember why. But I remember he, he gave us this really <laughs> intense lecture on how we absolutely had to focus on dance exclusively if you want to succeed at it. And he really proudly shared that he never had any other interests. He left no doubt in our minds that this was the right way. This was the only way for a serious dancer to be. And I was so pissed. (laughs) I looked around the room. I was like, there's got to be a mutiny here. There's got to be a mutiny. But instead of seeing other people you know, with these rageful looks on their faces, I saw my classmates kind of nodding. You know, they were really passionately in agreement with this guy and what he was saying. And I was just livid. The utter notion that I would have to give up my interest in the humanities, for example, where, as a side note, I was the only dancer in my Juilliard class who actually went consistently to the academic classes because I liked them. And it really bugged me that I, you know, this guy was telling me that I would have to give that up. Or drawing, I had kind of, well, I had totally given up drawing as something that I would pursue in any serious way. But I did a tiny little bit of drawing here and there. And the idea that I couldn't do that, because I had to focus exclusively on dance, or that I couldn't do anything else because I had to focus exclusively on dance. That made me so angry I wanted to spit. That should have been my first clue that I was not wired to be a specialist, that I was wired differently from everybody else in my class. And the next dozen years or so, I after I got injured, I went back to academia and I pursued a, a whole range of different interests. And not surprisingly, my bachelor's degree, my master's degree were both interdisciplinary majors, for goodness sake. You would think that it would have been obvious to me that I'm just hardwired to be a passion pluralite. But instead, I always had this nagging feeling that there was something wrong with me. On the one hand, I had this longing. I really wished that I were a Renaissance person but I didn't identify myself as one. And on the other hand, I simply couldn't limit myself to one single focus. And so I beat myself up for that. I wished desperately that I could just focus on one thing and get really, really amazingly, mind-blowingly world-class good at that one thing. And I just couldn't do it. Finally, in my 30s, it took me into my 30s, finally my self-concept started to shift. And I began to finally get it that maybe I was designed to have multiple interests. It was really clear that I was never going to be happy sticking with one area of focus. And so rather than continuing to fight this, I started to accept it and embrace it and work with it. And it was around this time that I noticed my mom and my friends starting to refer to me, to myself, to, you know, when they were talking to me or when they were talking to other people, they would refer to me as a Renaissance woman. How fascinating. 
I, this is something that I had desperately wanted when I was a little kid. And now other people were seeing me that way. And having that outside perspective helped me see that my need to do everything wasn't, didn't, it didn't have to be a negative. That could be seen as a positive. When people talked to me, talked about me as a Renaissance woman, it was this, with this sense of pride, the sense of, um, they were, they were impressed. They loved that about me. And I have to confess, I was just totally delighted that this great longing of my youth had actually come true. I was a Renaissance person. Now that doesn't mean that I am as, you know, talented or brilliant as Leonardo da Vinci, but that's irrelevant. That's not the point. The point is that I am a passion pluralite. I am multi-passionate. I am what Barbara Sher, the author of the book Refuse to Choose, among many other books, what she would call a scanner. Now, I don't like that word, but that's the word that she would use. I am what Margaret Lobenstein, the author of The Renaissance Soul, would call a Renaissance soul. What a relief. What a relief to finally figure this out. But that was just the start. The bigger piece was now that I know this about myself, how do I deal with it? Because being a passion pluralite, it can be really rewarding, but it presents some really big challenges. How do you balance and juggle all of those various passions and interests? That was something that I had not historically done very well at all. I basically tried to do everything I was interested in all the time. And that's impossible. So what happened was I took on too much and nothing that I took on got the level of attention that I wanted to devote to it. So I was constantly kind of burned out and constantly frustrated. And I remember this moment in my... mm, I think it was my late thirties. I was in my kitchen and I had this revelation that maybe I could try not limiting my focus to one thing. I knew that wasn't going to work, but maybe I could try limiting it temporarily to just a couple of things at a time. I realized that I do get to do everything, just not all at the same time. Now, this didn't mean that I was going to drop any of these other things forever. It just meant that I wasn't going to try to do everything at once. <laughs> and it was, I remember it's funny because I thought, well, I'll just stick with two. And then I thought, oh, God. I think at the time I was, was really into sewing and uh, I think I was singing. No, I think I was playing viola at the time, and I can't remember what the things were that I was doing, but I couldn't limit it to two. So I thought, okay, maybe I'll make it three. And then, oh, that wasn't quite enough because there was a fourth thing that I just couldn't let go of. And ultimately what happened was I came up with this model. I was in my kitchen. I looked at my stove. And I thought, aha, you know, we always talk about putting things on the back burner what if I use this model of a stovetop and I, and I limited myself for, you know, a temporary chunk of time 
to four areas of adoration, four passions, four big projects or big uh, areas of interest. And that evolved into my stovetop model of life design for passion pluralites. So if you've ever cooked a full meal, you know that there's only a certain number of tasks that you can keep track of at any one time. And you, you know, your typical stove has four burners, maybe five, but rarely more than that. And there's a really good reason for that. Imagine that there was a stove with 100 burners or even 20 burners. That would be impossible for one person to manage. Can you imagine you would just be running around that stove like a mad person, which is what we do when we take on too many passions at one time, right? But four burners, you can keep track of four burners when you're cooking a meal. You can have soup simmering and pasta boiling on back burners, occasionally stir those. And, you know, you've got maybe sauteed mushrooms on one of the front burners. And then maybe you've got an omelet or something on the the other front burner. And when the pasta is al dente and ready to serve, then for a brief period of time, you shift your focus from the mushrooms and the eggs to drain the pot of the pasta over the sink. And then it's time to put the fillings in the omelet and flip it closed. And, you know, you get the picture. Basically, at any given moment, you can only give your full attention to one pot or one saucepan. But a skilled cook can keep four burners going at once really handily. They just shift pots from front to back as they need to. What I love about this metaphor also is that you might have many more dishes in any particular meal. You might have dessert or maybe lots of desserts. You might have appetizers, you might have salads, but all those ingredients can stay in the refrigerator until the cook has some free attention and is ready to deal with them. So one of the pots on the stove goes into the fridge and the ingredients for the chocolate mousse come out for mixing up, right? Once I started to approach my life and my creative passions with this stovetop model, that was a game changer for me. All of the urgency and all of the frustration that I had felt for so long just dissolved when I realized that I get to do all of it, just not all at the same time. Now, there are different kinds of passion pluralites. In her book, Refuse to Choose, Barbara Share describes at least nine different general types of what she calls scanners. Some of the sequential variety who move from one passion to another passion to another passion over time. And some of the cyclical variety who follow more than one bliss at all times, right? And I'm kind of a blend of both. There's a type that Cher calls the serial master. And I resonate with that because I get so much satisfaction from the pursuit of mastery. And I tend to gravitate towards new challenges after I've climbed a learning curve to a certain point. I want a new challenge. But unlike the serial master from Cher's book, I also tend to keep my passions in the rotation rather than dropping them completely in order to move on to something entirely new. So in that way, I'm more like the type that Cher calls the Sybil, because I like to have 
a full stovetop of passions at all times. And I like to rotate those pots when it feels right. It kind of ends up usually to be about every three to nine months, I shift my focus to intensively have one, you know, one pot that I'm really focusing on. I, I move that, move a new pot to that spot. <laughs> on my actual stove in my kitchen, the front right burner, it's called the high speed burner. It burns hotter than the other burners. In fact, my husband pointed out to me that <laughs> the back left burner is also high speed, but the way my stove is, that uh, wording, high speed, just doesn't show up very well. So I never realized it. But anyway, I like this idea of having one burner that's your high speed burner because really, it's really hard to split your focus between two or more things really intensively. So, for example, right now, my big focus is this podcast, getting the podcast up and launched, getting episodes done making the theme music for the podcast, figuring out what my intro and outro scripts are going to be, figuring out how to promote my podcast. That's a really big project in my world right now. At a certain point, after the podcast launches, I'll be able to move that project from the front right burner to a back burner where I can just kind of keep it simmering, right? And something else will move to the front burner. Back in 2011, on February 1st, I made a commitment to myself to make my painting, my visual art, a big focus. So that became like my front right burner area. And I started my 15 minutes a day standard for playing in the creative sandbox every day. And I started my ArtSpark newsletter in, I think it was April that year. And that year I made over 150 finished pieces. That was the most prolific period in my art making life up to that point. And in fact, I produced a book of 100 of my ArtSparks, ArtSpark artworks at the end of that year. But then in 2012 and 2013, I rotated my pots. I was more compelled by working on writing more in those years. And so my, my visual art was on a back burner. Sometimes I confess, I feel a little bit of a sense of, of, guilt. It's not really guilt, but it's this false guilt sense that I'm not putting more energy into my other passions, the ones that are not on the front right burner. But the reality is that sensation of guilt, it has nothing to do with actual guilt. Have I committed an offense against anybody by say writing more and making less art? No. <laughs> I haven't actually committed an offense. Some people might be disappointed if they are, you know, they like getting my art in the mail or whatever, and they don't get it for a while if I put my newsletter on hiatus. But their desires to continue to receive that newsletter are not more important than my needs to take care of myself and put my time and energy where my priorities lie. My priorities, right? So, you know, Joseph Campbell talked about following your bliss. And when you are a passion pluralite, when you are bliss diverse, basically, the most important thing to do is to follow your blisses, not do what you've always done in order to please everybody else, because that is a really sure recipe for burnout. So that's basically it. That's my stovetop model of life design. Uh, 
experiment with it, try it for yourself. See if that idea of four projects or areas of adoration, or approximately four, if that works for you, it may be that for you, three works better, or maybe five works for you. For me, four is about the max that I can handle. Try it out. And remember that whatever you are, whatever's not on the stove for you right now, is in the fridge or in a cupboard or waiting for you at the grocery store the next time you go shopping. You do get to do everything, just not all at the same time. And using my stovetop model of life design might help you achieve more peace, more of a sense of peace and control over your life if you are a passion pluralite like I am. That's it. That's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed my stovetop model. Let me know if it resonated. Thank you so much for joining me today. Even though I'm actually out in the woods somewhere, either making music or dancing or <laughs> in other way, having fun away from the internet. Anyway, if you are getting value out of this podcast, share it with a friend. And don't forget to hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating and review and email it to me if you would like to be considered for the listener spotlight. I am really looking forward to having a chat with you. That is it. Until next time, thanks again for joining me and go get creating. Live creative now. Subscribe at livecreativenow.com.